630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Happy Friday, everybody. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. Final time in the host chair before Wilkie makes his return on Monday when the show goes on the road to West Edmonton Mall. The Oilers will be back from their bye week and all-star break. Open practice from 3.30 to 5 at the Ice Palace from 6 until 8. It's an autograph session. If you go to the uh, Oilers website, they already have the uh, map of where everyone's going to be. We're going to be uh, by Bourbon Street, I believe, in front of Gaetan Haas and Oscar Clefbaum's booth. Or as they call it now, Bourbon Because they took all the O's out of Bourbon Street. It's oh, did they? B-R-B-N-S-T. Bourbon Oh, it's been a while since I've been to Bourbon Street. Street. Street, yeah. Awkward start to the show there, Kellen. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, it just popped in my head. That's, but, you know, you know, at least it's easy for people to find the 6 for each Ed booth and pop by and say, hey, well, we're on air. And like we say, um, you know, if you ask nicely and if he has time, if he has time, because the show's busy, folks, but if he has time, maybe Wilkie will let you take a selfie with him. Hashtag Wilkie face. Trending worldwide. Oh, that's only if he really likes you, if you get the wokey face. That's that's definitely something that you savor and you can show to your kids and grandkids later on in life and be like, yeah, wokey face. I, I, get, I get wokey face a lot. Mm-hmm. And you think that's a bad thing? As do I. It is not a bad thing. It's a sign of uh, I've accepted you into my circle. Ah. So there you go. So Wilkie has a big circle. He does. Yeah, of yeah. people in his circle. You know, this reminds me of that op- office episode with Kevin about the inner circle. You know, it's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, here we are. All-Star Weekend. It's the Woo! skills competition tonight. Uh, Connor McDavid competing in fastest skater, trying to defend his title. He's won it, what, three years in a row? I think so. Yeah, I think it's three years in a row. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl will compete in the shooting accuracy. And then I would imagine McDavid and Dreisaitl are competing in that save streak contest. And they have a new one where I keep forgetting what it's called because I can't accept it. Um, where, they go, where they're going to be on, players are going to be on risers or a riser. And they're going to shoot targets from an elevated position. Okay. Which is going to include one player from the uh, women's and men's uh, team, uh, U.S. and Canadian women's team. The three-on-three is going to be tonight as well. That's going to be, that to me, that's the highlight of the whole weekend. That's going to be the show stealer, in my opinion. I don't know what they call it, the, that shooting thing. I, I guess I have to look it up. I just don't get it. I, no, maybe we'll watch it and we'll go, wow, look at that. They got to do that every year. <laughs> But I'm kind of skeptical. So we will have the fastest skater, the shooting accuracy, the hardest shot. We'll have the uh, save streak, as I mentioned, the three-on-three game, and whatever they're calling that darn thing. If you know mm. out there in Radio Land, uh, you can text in at 780-496-0063. Ah, this text is coming. How much is Wilkie going to pay me to have my picture taken with him? Oh, really? Wow. Well, he'll pay you with a Wilkie face. That's what he'll pay you with. That's right. Wilkie face. Love it. 
Uh, so, Connor McDavid, who's the uh, threat tonight to your fastest skater title? This year, Chris Kreider. I mean, he's a guy that uh, that flies. Um, obviously, uh, always Nathan McKinnon. He's such a good skater. Barzell is such a good skater, but uh, I think Kreider this year. Chris Kreider was not an all-star until about, what, Monday? Because Artemi Panarin had to sit out because of injury and actually wrote a tweet and said, I'm really sorry to miss the all-star game. And I kind of mm-hmm. believed it. It's hard to get context through uh, spoken word, or not spoken word, written word on social media, but it looked like he was, I felt like he was upset. Right. Not like some people. Ovi, no, I'm going to go on a beach. Forget it. I'm good. I'm good. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Uh, We're going to hear from uh, Connor McDavid in the next half hour about, uh, of course, we've been talking about all week, and we're going to see it uh, all weekend on on Sportsnet on Select Times, the documentary, Whatever It Takes, the story of his knee injury and his journey back. And the severity of that knee injury was remarkable. We had Don Mentz, who was the director of that documentary on earlier. PC Hell, torn in half, other tears, crack in front of his tibia, like it was ridiculous. And you'll hear why he chose, McDavid chose the non-surgical route. Because you'd think surgery would be an an automatic. But uh, he'll explain why he did not uh, uh, elect to go with surgery. And just about the grueling rehab and about the possibility of, as a 22-year-old, you're making a life choice, not just a career choice at that moment. And we'll get his brief comment on Matthew Kachuk and having to rub shoulders with him and be a teammate of him uh, for this weekend and this weekend only. Well, they could be an all-star teammate down the road too. That's possible as well. Uh, We're going to be joined by Brendan Escott here shortly from our 630 Chet Sports Department, the producer of Oilers Now. We're going to talk about All-Star Weekend, All-Star Games, and there's already talk about the format changing next year. It's in Florida next year officially. Gary Bettman announced that. So the 2021 All-Star Game will go back to Florida, first time since 2003. And that's when Danny Heatley scored four goals Mm -hmm. in the All-Star Classic. Sunrise, Florida, home of the Panthers. Yeah, there you go. And uh, Bettman has already said we might do an international tournament. We might do, I don't know what that will look like. Maybe it's a three-on-three international tournament, perhaps. That might be interesting. Or you go back to the North America versus the world concept. I think they got something here with the three-on-three, and I I know it's kind of losing a bit of its, you know, the shine's coming off of it a little bit, but I think there's still something there with the three-on-three. Next, uh, next hour, uh, this is going to be a tough story to talk about, but we're going to talk about it. Uh, Rebecca Reef is going to join us, former goalkeeper for the U of A Pandas soccer team, um, talking about her good friend Nicole Palladino and teammate, uh, ex-teammate Nicole Palladino, who suffered a serious spinal injury in uh a trip to Costa Rica about 10 days ago. So uh, Rebecca has started a GoFundMe page. Unfortunately, uh, Nicole is paralyzed from the trunk down. So there's, this is a new 
uh, new way of life that she is going to be living here soon. So we'll see, you know, just just what you can do to help and support. And we'll have Rebecca reflect on Nicole and and the chance to talk to her again and just support her in her new, you know, in her new uh, reality right now. Bob Stoffer is going to join us from one of his favorite places in the whole wide world, Claire Drake, Drake Arena, as the Bears begin a uh, two-game series this weekend with the Calgary Dinos. And Carter O'Donnell, offensive lineman, U of A Golden Bears football team. He was in the East-West Shrine Bowl last week, which is a pretty uh, big bowl game for uh, the best college players, not only in the U.S., but in North America. He was one of two U-sports players to uh, try to impress uh, and show his skills uh, in front of U.S. scouts, and he's already getting a bit of NFL interest as well. When we come back, Brendan Escott from the 630 Jet Sports Department. years ago reminiscing about uh about two three years ago reminiscing about the time where uh they had a fan vote you could vote forever whoever you wanted and the he was playing for the arizona coyotes i believe at the time it was yeah and they tried to bury him the league tried to bury him basically because they thought it'd be an embarrassment for scott to play and well hey if you set up a fan vote and and have no parameters or rules around it right then whose fault is that? Exactly. It's no one's fault. So we're going to hold uh, Brendan Escott till after the news, by the way. Okay, so, cool. I, I can see that look on your eye going, if you if you do this now, we're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do that to you. Well, let, let, let's kind of, we have the skills on right now, for just kind of on the TV and that stuff. They're just doing national anthems as it is. Let's explain the scene in St. Louis as it is. They have the, the players lined up in divisions so you got your pacific metro etc essentially you know all lined up on the uh blue lines here and that stuff and then on the opposite blue lines they have the women's free on free participants which is pretty cool too yeah no that is cool yeah that that is that is a nice sight to see i'm glad that the women are getting a a better profile we had rebecca johnston on the show a week ago uh, from the canadian women's national team and uh, it is about getting more profile they got more profile last year because of the um the performance by kendall coin schofield in the fastest skater and that was incredible so i'm glad that the national hockey league said let's let's do this so it's going to be a three-on-three challenge uh 20-minute time, 10-minute periods, and it's running time. And if there's a penalty, there will be a penalty shot. So that's pretty cool. Um, I think it's going to be competitive because those two teams don't like each other very much, even Mm -hmm. though it is a kind of a lighter atmosphere. 
Um, I think it's going to be very competitive, too. So Huge stage for this, too. This is massive. It is, indeed. Uh, WHL action tonight. The Oil Kings uh, continuing their Saskatchewan road trip. They're in PA to play the Raiders. And uh, midway through the first period of play, the Raiders up one nothing on the Oil Kings, who uh, scored a 5-3 victory in Swift Current on uh, Wednesday night. They uh, fought back. They were down... Uh, they were down 3-2 in that game, and they they came on and they uh, beat the uh, Swift Current Broncos, so very good. Uh, Toronto Raptors are in New York to play the Knicks. Knicks are not very good. The Raptors are, and the uh, Raptors up 43-40 in that game. A uh, couple of other notes from uh, the uh, Gary Bettman news conference today that I want to talk about. The uh, We talked about this last year, I remember, uh, with the National Hockey League on this show with uh, with Reed hosting um, about the uh, puck and player tracking. That is coming in the playoffs. So it'll be in all 16 arenas, 16 buildings, and next year it'll be in every building. So that'll be neat. So it's kind of like real-time stats. So that's cool. So we'll see how that works. I'm not exactly entirely sure because... I'm not smart enough to figure stuff out like, like that. That's above my pay grade, as they say, but that'll be fun. Uh, the CBA, I mean, that's not going to expire for another over a year and a half, I think. Um, they got another full season to go here um, before the uh, CBA does expire. But Gary Bettman says talks are going to continue. They're going to start in the next few days. The goal is this summer to get a deal. And if that doesn't happen... The threat of a lockout is going to be looming over this league again or some sort of work stoppage. Now, I don't know if it's going to be to the point of a of a full season being eliminated, but maybe something like 2013. But let's not do that. Let's just not have that happen anymore, okay? I don't want that to happen. I don't like it. Also, the NHL announced the uh, first and second all-star team of the decade. The first team all-stars, Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane, Drew Doughty, Duncan Keith on defense, and Marc-Andre Fleury in goal. Just trying to find the uh, second team all-stars. Not grouped very well here. Scrolling, scrolling. There we go. That wasn't overly painful, was it? Uh, Steven Stamkos, Evgeny Malkin, Patrice Bergeron. Bergeron might surprise you a little bit, but tell you. He did win a cup. Steady player. Very steady, consistent player. Eric Carlson, Zidane Ochara, and Henrik Lundqvist. Named as the other second-team All-Stars. So, no Connor McDavid yet. I believe Connor McDavid will be the the, the first team All Star for this the decade. Decade is still young, Davy. Yeah. The decade is still young. I mean, by the time we are, you know, here sitting here ten years from now, when Connor McDavid's a thirty-three year old, and I'll be a, never mind, um, never mind. I mean, he'll already be over a thousand points. You would think by then. You know, I'm not oh, even, probably. Yeah, yeah. Not even knocking on wood here. You can text it at six thirty, six thirty. Drew says All-Star Game should go east-west again and make it so the winner has home ice. No. No. No, I don't like it. No. No. I I like the baseball uh, All-Star Game. I like the MLB. Would they, you know, I always like that All-Star Game. It's my favorite, but I hated hated that concept. 
It should be on your record. Should be on the fact that you earned it. You send your best player to an all-star game under that sort of stakes, and he gets hurt. How do you feel about that? I mean, that's the thing. Is yeah. that if there's something to play for, these guys are going to go all out. Like, yeah. not saying that they're not going all out this weekend, but probably they got the governors on this weekend, so it's, you know, a little bit safer, I guess. But How about playing an actual game, LOL? Well, then you'll complain that they play an actual game. Like, I just, I don't know. <sighs> and then in five years you'll go, they should go back to three-on-three. Three. Like, no one's ever happy. No one's ever happy. Uh, oh, you'll like this, Kellen. All right. You'll like this. Yeah. All-Star Weekend is cool and all, but what about Campbell and Kennedy's Royal Rumble preview? Coming soon. Well, coming up later tonight? Yeah, we will do that later tonight. I'm not sure if that was a coming sooner or coming up later tonight. That's why I cussed <laughs> up. <laughs> but, yes, we will have our predictions later. So stay uh, tuned. Dave, why do some teams get two or three All-Star games when a team like Edmonton hasn't been cycled through again for 30 years? I think Detroit is even worse. Clearly, the NHL has no formula. And I don't know how they do this, honestly, but I do believe the Oilers should have the All-Star game here probably, I would say, within five years. It'll be here. Yeah. News is next from the 630 Chet 24-Hour News Center. After the news, we'll hear from Brennan Escott. Also, we'll hear from Ken Holland and Connor McDavid. The All-Star Skills Competition about to begin. McDavid competing in fastest skater. Leon Dreisaitl competing in the shooting accuracy. We'll let you know. Campbell and for Wilkins. Friday evening edition of 630 Chet Inside Sports. by Robitaille. He got it to Gretzky, to Curry. He's in alone. Shoot, scores! Curry from Wayne Gretzky. 1-0 the Campbell Conference. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. That was the last time and the only time the All-Star game was in Edmonton. Wayne Gretzky's return because the year before, or that, well, the previous, or that previous summer, um, he was traded to the LA Kings in the in the trade, so that was pretty cool to see uh, Gretzky and Curry back together one more time. Of course, they would play together again in Los Angeles, so they would be reunited later. Robbie Brown, our good buddy Rob Brown, that's uh, his only All Star appearance. Absolutely, and uh, that was cool to play at home for sure. Uh, fastest skater is underway, and right now Chris Kreider, Connor McDavid, true to his word. Um, Right now has the fastest time at 13.5 seconds. So kind of want to hang in here as long as we can. <laughs> if we can, yes. Uh, Connor McDavid talked about his injury uh, today. And we uh, it was chronicled earlier in the week, and it'll be chronicled more in the documentary that'll air on select times and on Sportsnet this weekend, whatever it takes. But the severity of the injury being kept so quiet, McDavid explains the reasoning. 
No, I think the, the main focus was just getting healthy. You know, I didn't, uh, I didn't need the, you know, any pressure of, of media. I didn't need any more questions. You know, there was already lots of questions uh, going on. So, um, you know, it was actually really nice just to be able to focus on myself and, and not have to answer questions and, and, and um, you, know, I, you know, pressures of, of all the media and, and you know, all the fans and stuff like that. So. Um, it was just a, it was a different way to go about it. Um, you know, I understand, obviously, if, if some, you know, that rubbed some media the wrong way. I mean, it's not like we're trying to hide anything. We were, and, and ultimately, we didn't really know. You know, you know simply saying I don't know was the right answer because you know, we didn't know all the all the all the all the answers to all the questions. And, and um, you know, it was a, a process that was, uh, you know, always progressing and always moving. So um, you know, there was no uh, definitive answer at uh, at any given time. The risk of surgery was a big factor in McDavid deciding not to have surgery and going with the non-surgical rehab. 22-year-old kid at the time, and, and you never want to miss a season, and, and uh, you never want to go through a surgery that, uh, I'm not going to call it risky or, or, uh, or anything like that, but you know, there's lots of questions. It's not like it's an ACL where you know, doctors can do that you know, almost in their sleep. You know, it's a PCL, and, and, uh, and that's a surgery that only a few people can do, and, and it's not, not been real mastered. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, there was definitely a time where, where, where it was a question for sure. Uh, Jack Eichel, by the way, he just scored a time of, or recorded a time of 13.5, but it's 13.54. So Chris Kreider is still in the lead. Yeah, and it looks like Eichel was stumbling in one of the turns too. So we'll see what happens. So I think that was a 13.5 that might have been even quicker. So yeah, who knows? Uh, McDavid on the grueling rehab. You know, I had uh, you know, some of the, the smartest people. Uh, yeah, um, for sure. You know, I had... Uh, you know, some of the, the smartest people um, in, in rehab, uh, you know, around me. Um, I had, uh, um, you know, a guy living with me, uh, you know, three or four days a week, and um, five days a week. Some days, I mean, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was busy. You know, it was, it was an everyday thing. It was uh, first right when you wake up, all the way to, to when you go to sleep, type of thing, and and, uh, and that's what had to happen. Matt Barzell of the New York Islanders just dropped the 13.1 time. Wow. McDavid's got some work to do, for sure. Uh, no doubt about that. When did McDavid feel that, hey, I'm progressing here. Things are going good. Two or three real big things for me. I think uh, one was the first time getting back on the ice. Um, you know, I think that was that was a time when, uh, you know, even though I was wearing a big, big brace, I thought, uh, you know, still... Still feel all right, and and, uh, and you know another time is is you know in the summer I, I think the day before I left for training camp I was actually playing in a scrimmage with uh, you know guys from the gym and uh, you know which I was, hadn't done all summer so I think that was a big step for me and then obviously playing in playing in a real game I think those are three huge steps that uh, that uh, just made me feel better and better about it as as we went on and Matt Barzell is one Connor McDavid thirteen point two was his time. 13.2 seconds and watching it when he got to the halfway mark I'm like mm. he's at seven he's at seven seconds he turned it up yeah the the last half of this so we have a new fastest skater champion the knee's fine folks the knee is just fine yeah not by much it's only what one hundredth of a second separating them or one yeah. tenth of a second separating them 13.2 yeah. to 13.1 that's close that was very close man that was impressive
So is Brandon Escott. He joins us now. Brandon, nice to see you, man. How you doing? Not too bad, my friend. Appreciate you having me on. All-Star Weekend. Yes. Um, I don't know how you feel about All-Star Games. This is a very polarizing subject. The, there seems to be so much negativity about All-Star Games. And, I mean, I know they're it's kind of putting lipstick on a pig, but... <laughs> what, what, what's your thoughts well, about you know All-Star what? Games? We, we had Brian Burke on Oilers Now yesterday, and he said it's sort of a necessary evil. It's not appointment television. We don't expect it to be at this stage. And it's tough when, when you've got players that are considered assets now. This is this is a business more than it's ever yeah. been, right? So now a lot of the stars, boy, how can I get out of this, rather than showcasing it to the rest of the league. But, I mean, it's necessary, Dave, in the sense that, for example, I was on the golf course in Arizona earlier this season, and mm-hmm. some girl all proud. I'm from Minnesota. I know everything about hockey. I said, oh, really? I work with the Oilers. We have Connor McDavid. And she says, who? <laughs> You know, so in in order to grow the game and have the best product all year long, they got to they got to do it. I will say I like this format a lot, too. I I, I do like the format and I don't know what else you you can do to make this more interesting. The three on three format, I think, brings out the best. Right. uh, The best in quotations. I mean, last year's was, I thought, a step back for the three on three. But if you go back to the way it was just to have a regular game. It's going to be terrible hockey. At least you force them to skate a bit. Yeah, exactly. And to me, you hit the nail on the head there. It, it's the on-ice product has to be the draw, right? And if the guys that are playing aren't buying in, then it's never going to be a spectator's sort of spectacle, right? It'll be great for those in St. Louis who are going to take it in. It's great for the media tour down there that comes yeah. with it and the community. But from a television viewing standpoint, you're right. And next year it's going to be in Florida. And yes. eventually, it's funny, I had a call last night on the show saying, I, they should never have these things. No one should ever go. Players should never go. Uh, I would never watch it. I'm like, well, I hate to disappoint you. I better be in Edmonton in the next five years. Yeah, <laughs> so. oh, for sure. With that facility, they'd be silly not to put it here in yeah. short order, right? I know it's not the vacation destination of Sunrise, Florida, but still, you're going to showcase what we've got here. Yeah, no no question. And you got to take it for what it is. Yeah. It's it just, it's a showcase. It's it's. Fun. You will see some individual skill that will amaze you. And and when, when I hear it's not the representation of the actual game, you're right, and it shouldn't be. It should never be the representation of the actual game. Exactly. No. I'll tell you what is the actual representation of the game, and that's the Stanley Cup final, year Thank in you. and year out. Yeah. That's what hockey is. This is a money-making brand growth strategy that I don't see going anywhere anytime soon. But I like what you said about, look, it's also protecting the assets and the For assets sure. of the players. Even in the skills competition, if you go back to the first skills competition in 1990 to now, I've been talking about this on the show a few times, I mean, they are preserving these players' bodies even in the skills competition. They're not skating very much. And we have a new event tonight called the Shooting Stars, which is kind of weird, where players are going to be on elevated platforms in the crowd shooting at targets. I'm like, it seems kind of weird, but I kind of want to see it too. So. Exactly. And maybe next year you don't want to see it anymore, but at least <laughs> tweaking it enough to make it interesting tonight sure i'll take i'll take that any day of the week and really that's what the nba does really well about their all-star weekend is the skills competition so i I am going to be tuning in uh, and will be here as we uh record this but 
to me, this skills competition is really more of the spectacle than the game itself. Yeah, I'm, and I think the women's three-on-three game is going to be the, the show stealer of the weekend. Yeah, I really some believe heavy it. names, some oh, heavy yeah. names in there. And Canada, USA, and women's hockey, that is, no matter the forum for that, I'll watch that. For sure. Uh, Brendan Escott joining us from our 630 Chet Sports Department, the producer of Oilers Now, our sideline reporter on uh, football broadcast on 630 Chet. Eskimo season, now that's still a bit of ways, like four <laughs> months, but uh, we're talking hockey right now. The Oilers right now, in a very bunched, crammed, crowded, the race in the Pacific Division is crazy. 57 points, that's how many, uh, four teams have that point total. The Oilers are good enough for second right now, one back of the Vancouver Canucks. Wow, it's it's incredible how tight it is. I know Ken Holland was on Oilers now today, and everyone all everyone all everyone wants to talk about is the trade deadline because we're just over four weeks away. What was the sense from uh, what you heard from Ken Holland? We'll hear from him in, in a bit. We'll replay some of his stuff. Yeah, it was an interesting one. He's holding his cards close to his vest, as he does anyway, but I don't think he really knows whether the, he's going to be a buyer yet because of how closely packed everything is. Now you're looking at games where... I mean, this is going to be a very, very interesting stretch of hockey here over the next couple of months. And you've only got three, well, it's a month to the day, actually, is the trade deadline. So I suppose you have four weeks to figure it out. You're going to be on the phone a lot sooner than that. And he told us that he didn't really know whether he was going to be a buyer until he sees what the market prices are going to be like on some of these players. We've heard names like Josh Anderson and Andreas Athanasiu and some of these underperforming players out of the East that Holland may be more familiar with. I would think they're going to add one, but I just don't know if even Holland is sure yet. Yeah, and here's the question I will pose to you, and I will pose this to our listeners, and you can text in it uh, and call in as well at 780-496-0063. You can only have one of these, Mm. and it's tough because you can't get both, in my opinion. What is more valuable to this hockey club right now, a scoring winger or a third-line center? Man, that is, that's tough, Dave. That's a really tough one because it seems to me like if Yamamoto's here to stay the way that he's displayed that he's here to stay, that the wing becomes less of an issue. However, face-offs have been an issue plugging this team for a long, long time. And mm-hmm. if there's somebody out there, and I know that the number one name that I think is going to be way too expensive for this team, especially as a rental, is John Gabriel Pajot out of Ottawa. Mm-hmm. That's your quintessential, but... The Oilers would need to be planning on a deep playoff push this year if they were going to spend the capital because, as I understand it, we're talking about a first-round pick plus some sort of other asset for Pajot's services, of which you're guaranteed through the end of this season. I don't think Holland's going to do that. When he's preaching stability, there's no way. So then I set my sights on a guy like uh, Kasperi Kapanen, and I know that Toronto's got a need on the back end that the Oilers might be able to fill. They're quite a bit deeper on the Oilers' back end in the farm system and, and right through. So... I think there might be more room for them to acquire a middle six winger. It won't be a top line winger, but a middle six guy might do some damage on this roster down the stretch as well. And it makes you wonder if Ken Holland might be looking for someone with term left. So maybe a year left on his contract after this season. That might be more advantageous to him. Exactly, to help maybe grow with some of the younger players that are in the system right now and will be coming up in the years to come. I like a guy like Akapanen specifically because he is younger, he's speedy, He's he can play offensively. He's proven that in Toronto, but... 
there's some term left on that deal. They just signed him this offseason, and the same can be said for Andreas Janssen. So I look at a couple of suitors there in Toronto and Edmonton and wonder how close they might be to a deal by this time next month. Joined by Brendan Escott from our 630 Chet Sports Department. Brendan's, I don't know if I call it a side hustle. But you're, you have a cool side hustle I right now. I call it a side hustle. It's a cool side hustle <laughs> because you are the play-by-play voice of the number two team, and some will debate the number one team yes. in all of Canadian Junior A hockey, and that is the Sherwood Park Crusaders. And I, I uh, the Brooks Bandits are one right now. Yep. But if you look at the standings, they are neck and neck, which we haven't said a lot over the last few years because Brooks has just run away with it. Mm-hmm. But... Different story this year. It's, it is. And even though the Crusaders last weekend on home ice beat the Brooks Bandits, giving them their second loss in two nights, they weren't able to pass the Bandits in the national rankings. To me, that's a reputation thing for Brooks. And they've earned it over mm-hmm. the last five-plus years. But I was not expecting the kind of performance that Sherwood Park put on against Brooks. It was physically dominating. They put up seven goals, David. Ended seven to four. So... If that was a preview of the AJHL final, buckle up. You're going to see some of the best junior A hockey you've probably ever seen in your life. They they can match Brooks as far as the offensive production with guys like Arjun Atwal. Carter Savoy has 40 goals in 40 games for the Crusaders. Wow. Look for him on the draft radar late second, probably early third round here this spring for the NHL. Teammate Michael Benning, you've probably heard these names by now, but these are the driving forces in what's now been a, a, a lineup to me for the Crusaders that's been insulated really well by some veterans too. They could go very deep, deeper than ever before in this franchise's play playoff history this season well it's nice that there's a lot of local hockey teams whether it's from the oilers the oil kings having a great year bears having a great year the crew they're having a fantastic year it's fun right now it is like if you want if you're a hockey fan look no further than what we're privy to and i encourage you because it seems like a lot of missed opportunities to go see the caliber of hockey that's right in your back uh, backyard you don't need to spend the big money necessarily all the time on the oilers go watch the oil kings come out and watch the crusaders play for 15 bucks right go watch the bears at the claire drake it's all right there for you yeah for sure oilers back monday by the way back uh, on the ice for game action next wednesday as well Ooh. calgary flames it's going to be a it's going to be a fun time because they get the flames three times right and they get the uh knights three times yeah. uh, they're done with the canucks still got some matchups with the coyotes that Pacific Division, there's a lot to be decided. Right, and so hopefully it's not a circumstance where they're looking back at games in November and early December in particular and saying, boy, we should have really sewed up those points at that point because these divisional games will not get any easier. I think we're going to see a lot of playoff hockey played down the stretch before the playoffs even start. Brendan, enjoy your weekend. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Dave. He is correct. We're going to see a lot of playoff hockey for sure. It's 6.50, and we'll be back to wrap up the first hour of Inside Sports. And it's Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins tonight. 
portion of the show brought to you by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 780-4FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. So what is Ken Holland's approach to the trade deadline? He joined Bob Stoffer and Oilers Now today. You can hear that uh, fine program from noon until two weekdays. Holland's approach to the trade deadline, which... Uh, as far as the date goes, we are one month away. The hard part is you never know until you get on the phone. Like I <laughs> certainly, you know, I look at our team and I feel better today or good today, you know, that we've got some some scoring up and down our lineup. Certainly, every, you've always got some wants and needs. Can you give this and that and that? Well, is it, is it available? What's the cost? Those are the things I've got to go through here over the next three weeks. And I think that decision, like Brendan Escott pointed out, and I agree with it, it's going to go right down to probably that day or maybe the day before or maybe a couple days before because the market's going to get set at some point and Ken Holland has to have the time to determine even himself what does that look like? What is the price for certain players? You know, Pajot is a guy I would love to have here, but he's having a great season, and I don't think the Senators are going to make it easy on anybody if they want him, and maybe they maybe they want to sign him too. And when I mention, I think, I think Holland doesn't necessarily want the rental. I think he wants someone with one year left on his deal after this year. But what does that cost? Because I think Ken Holland is so patient and I think he wants to reward this team. I think he does, but he's not going to do it just to do it. And that was Peter Shirelli's problem, is he gave into the pressure and he just did it, made a move to make a move. And it ended up not so good for the most part. Connor McDavid has been dethroned. The rain is over. The rain is over. <laughs> it's okay. Close, close in the numbers for sure. Yeah, Connor McDavid, thirteen point two seconds, but Ma- beat beat my Matthew Barzell, thirteen point one seconds. So he is the champion. You blink your eye that quick. That's it. I know. Watching Barzell's performance, he drops down to thirteen one. I'm going, Connor. That's going to be tough to beat. News is next from the six thirty Chet twenty four hour news center. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, a tough story to talk about, but a story that we. I think should talk about Rebecca Reef. We'll talk about Nicole Palladino. These two were teammates on the U of A Pandas soccer team, and Nicole had a very severe spinal injury in Costa Rica. And Rebecca and other former teammates have banded together to help Nicole. So we'll hear that story next on Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.